You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Well, I don't know about all of you, but if I could split my body into three sections, I'd have each and every one of them call in to tonight's show. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Monday night, and here we are. That can only mean it's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos. Surprise! (laughs) How about a fun night discussing performance reviews and team building techniques? That's what it's all about on this week's Lower Decks. We're here to take your calls on the eighth episode of season two, I Excretius. Right? That's what he said. Yes. Or Excretus. Excretus? I kept thinking it was excretus. I, I was uh, like making it sound a little <laughs> Listen, more it, grand. It's, it's Borg. <laughs> we can just pronounce it any way we want. <laughs> uh, you guys know what to do. Click the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833. That will connect you to Earl and get you into the Earl Green Room so that you can talk to us tonight. If you're prompted for a meeting code and password, those will be on screen in the chat. Hey, so welcome to the show, Holly. Just uh, to let everybody know real quick, uh, Ashley was feeling a little under the weather and uh, we wish her well, but Holly, you were so kind to step in at the last minute and uh, I'm glad to see you and glad to have you as part of the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Thanks for messaging me. I Yeah. It was a safe bet that you were caught up on Lower Decks. Oh, so always. I figured well, it, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I have to watch two in a row because I get busy, but I was caught up this week, although I did rewatch the episode today. So now I've seen it twice. Oh, good. Good. Excellent. <laughs> well, I look forward to our chat tonight. And by the way, I, uh, so I was out of town. I'll talk about that in a minute here, but um, on the drive down, because I was busy during last week's live show, which is why Norman and I split things up because we always have another thing to prep and another show to, to, to get working on. Uh, but I listened to last week's live show when I was driving out of town and wow, what incredible calls and some new callers and some people who I see are joined in the chat right now. So I'm going to say hi to all of them and of course, encourage them to call into the show tonight and maybe our minds will be blown the way that uh, Norman and Ashley's minds were blown last week should be very cool. So we will say hi to our friends who are here in the chat, like Paul and Bob, Hi, Bob Amos. Hi, Dad. Uh, Oh, and hi, Mom. I'm sure my mom's watching, too. I always say hi to Dad and never to Mom. Hi, Mom. Oh, okay. Well, Happy early birthday, Mommy. Uh, When is your mom's birthday? In two days. Excellent. Well, happy early birthday to Holly's mom. Uh, (laughs) There is uh, Scott Palm. How's it going, Scott? There's Valeria. Okay. Cannot, that was the call last week. So can't wait to see if Valeria calls in again tonight. There's John Arminio. There is Dave. There's other Paul. There's Alan, king of the memes. Uh, there is, who else do we have? Ooh, uh, people saying hi to each other. There's Kaylee. There's Carlos. There's Joe. There's Chris. There's Mike. There's Dominic. There's so many people saying hi. And Carlos is calling it out right away. The Naked Time. Yes, I'm sure we're talking about many Naked Times on tonight's show. So, uh, hi to everybody. Welcome to the show. And you know, oh, oh, some interloper called Norman C. Lau has joined and saying into the chat, Hi, Holly! Exclamation point. Oh, hey, John. Well, hello, Norman. Nice of you to join us. All right. So, Glad to see you all here. You know what to do. You click on the link, you use the one tap from your smartphone, or you call us, and Earl will hook you into our chat. So, uh, Holly, we haven't talked in a little while. I want to know what you've been up to, and I'm just going to tell you right off the bat here that I, I did mention I was doing some traveling. I went to Yumacon over the weekend, and just like the name sounds, it is the convention in Yuma, Arizona. Okay. Did you even know there was such a thing? Uh, no, but as soon as you said Yuma, that was the only thing I could think of that I had to have been in Yuma. Arizona. Well, well, you were right. Yes. Uh, my first time in Yuma, Arizona, I went there for YumaCon. Leans heavily toward anime is kind of a younger crowd. Like the, the fan crossover is anime, Marvel, uh, superheroes, gaming. Uh, so a lot, not, not a heavy Star Trek presence. It was me and Larry. We were the Star Trek presence. And I'm just going to tease it here to say that I have a really weird story to tell about Yumacon, but I'm saving it for Mission Log After Dark, which is oh, okay. exclusive, exclusive to our Patreon followers in our Discord 
Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, partly because this show is broadcast and recorded, and I am protecting the innocent. So you'll have to tune in for the live-only show to hear the story of Yumakan. That's the big tease this week. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Everybody right. log log on and tune in. Yes, you will have to. So if that doesn't drive people to Patreon, I don't know what will. Uh, next week on Mission Log Live, Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 9 with Norman and Ashley. And then I can't believe we're just barreling so fast to the end of Lower Decks Season 2. And we're working on some guests to bring in after that. So stay tuned. There will be more Lower Decks talk. Uh, this This week, on Mission Log, regular Mission Log, DS9, It's Only a Paper Moon. Oh. Yeah. Do you love that episode? I do love that episode. It's a little bit heavier now, I think, for sure. a yeah. lot of people who are friends with Aaron. So. Of course. It's a great episode, though, and it's a great performance. Yeah, from he's wonderful in it. Yeah, and, and there is just so much to talk about in that, which is, uh, it, you know, part of the deal. Go check out the episode, log into Facebook or our website or Twitter, or send us an email. Talk to us about the episodes there. And then uh, tomorrow night, Norman and I will be recording Prodigal Daughter, and you can get the early recording of that through our Patreon. Those drop on Wednesday mornings. So uh, that is what's happening in Mission Log World. Anything to catch us up on your world, Holly? Anything happening in your life we should know about? Watching Star Trek and nice. doing my jobs, my yes. multiple jobs. <laughs> Fair enough. And you showed up <laughs> themed in a uh, in a United Federation of Planets t-shirt. So I did. And I'm also, if anybody noticed, I changed my background from the Discovery Bridge mm-hmm. to they sleep in a hallway. <laughs> but but they like, but the senior staff likes it. And, and that's what I, one of many things I enjoyed in tonight's episode. You think Shax liked it? I, he seemed to be sleeping like a baby, even when I mean, Dr. Sure, Tata was crawling was, all over him. He, okay. But later <laughs> he was like stretching because it was like killing him. And then it's naked time. So um, I don't know. Yes. Yes. He well, looked like he enjoyed it at the time, but then he was complaining about it later. Uh, that's true. Okay, you did have to stretch, yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll get to all of that in our calls and our discussion tonight on iXcretus. So uh, if you'll indulge me, I'll give us all a little recap here, and then we'll talk. Here we go. Mariner, Boimler, Rutherford, and Tendi are all doing an EVA to repair a broken piece of space equipment when the Cerritos gets a distress call and warps away without them. Hours later, the ship returns to find a cold, agitated team who get beamed right into sickbay. That starts an argument with Mariner calling out Captain Freeman for her disregard of Lower Deck's crew. But the captain says to cool it, they've got a Starfleet drill administrator coming to test them all, and they better get it right. The drill instructor is Shari Yem, a Pandronium, who, Pandronian, not um... (laughs) who has a knack for motivational speaking and team-building exercises. Like what she's brought to the Cerritos today, a set of holopods programmed with different simulations to test the crew's skills. To make it even more of a test, ranks are flipped. Senior staff become lower decks, while the lower decks take command positions. Simulations range from Mirror Universe to the ethics of helping a Klingon commit ritual suicide, to an old west town where Mariner gets horse trampled, to a virus that causes naked time, and oh my, does it cause naked time. Everybody fails miserably, except for Boimler, who's in an encounter with the Borg, a Borg encounter, if you will. He somehow beats the Borg and escapes with a passing score of 79. That's just not good enough for Bradward, so he does it again and again. And again, the score just slowly creeps up each time, but short of a hundred. But even with Boimler's heroic and ongoing efforts, the overall score for this reader's crew is a miserable, failing 37%. Lower decks and the upper decks are feeling defeated, but living large with access to the good replicators. Upper decks on the lower decks are adjusting quite nicely with their lowered responsibilities but even they fail their own training simulation stacking cargo containers. Finally, it's time for a full team exercise, stealing the Enterprise from space dock 
and they screw that one up too. It's demoralizing for them all when they walk away with an incomplete score, but reflecting on the experience, Mariner and Captain Freeman realize it was all about team building, allowing each side to see the challenge that the other goes through. They approach the trainer, admitting that they'll all come together as a crew with greater understanding for each other now that the drool now that the drills are over. Drools? Drools, right? <laughs> eh, almost drools. But now Cherie Yin Yem lets them in on a little not so secret anymore. All the other ships were passing her training assessments, which would have made her position obsolete. So she rigged all these tests and targeted the Cerritos crew for failure to justify her own job. Even with their scores averaged, it's still a fail. But there is one test still ongoing. It's Boimler, who at last has bested the Borg program, but Freeman commands him to stay in the simulation to keep it running. While Boimler throws the game and is getting both seduced and assimilated by the Borg, Captain Freeman orders her crew to chase down a dangerous anomaly, like a crystalline entity that happens to be nearby. It's a rough encounter, shaking the Cerritos, damaging systems, and terrifying Cherie and Yem. It is not a simulation, and Cherie clearly can't handle the real deal. With her wits scared out of her, Cherie agrees to a deal with Freeman pass the crew on the rig test, and they can all get out of the clutches of the crystalline entity or black hole or whatever space terror faces them next. The lie revealed. Freeman will write up Cherie and Yem's subterfuge in her report to Starfleet. The Cerritos crew will carry on, including Boimler, who can finally come out of the simulation, but he's so deep into it, he's exhausted, and he thinks he is Borg at this point. In a show of solidarity with the crew, Freeman, Shax, and Tiana offer the lower decks a token of their esteem, a new replicator programmed with the really good recipes from the senior staff, all the good stuff like pesto, lobster mac and cheese, and whole pizzas, not just by the slice. The end. Uh, thank you for bearing with me, Holly. Just, uh, you know, it's been a long weekend, a lot of talking. So I never, uh, I never read those when you yeah. like send them. I never read them because I just want to listen to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll call you sometime and I'll just, I'll give you a, give it a dry run. So you can know how I'm doing. <laughs> well, thank you for indulging me. Any thoughts right out of the gate here before we go to our uh, first callers? Completely ridiculous. Yeah. Totally ridiculous. A whole episode. I love it. Yeah? Yes. All right. Fair enough. Any standout moments for you? Like, wow, they really push the envelope of ridiculousness. I mean, obviously the naked, but mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Naked Time, Naked Now, which was arguably a sequel, and this yes. is hardcore references. So anybody that is like, oh, that doesn't belong there. I'm like, it's, come on. It's referencing <laughs> two episodes, two whole episodes. Yes. Um. I didn't know that Alice did the voice of the Borg Queen. Right. I didn't know it before. And then I was watching. And I was like, I think, I think that's Alice. And I went and looked it up. And it absolutely is. So that's great because I love her. Um, I also love that they're referencing them, which is not the most wonderful episode. Um, not my least favorite episode. But mm -hmm. then is actually the first episode to mention Tiberius as Kirk's middle name. Oh, good call. Good call. And, you know, that episode of the animated series written by David Gerald. And yeah. uh, by the way, a couple of things that came up here, but speaking of BEM, which is an acronym for uh, Bug-Eyed Monster, which yeah. I, I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, Matthew Corey, by the, shout out to Matthew saying, this show is the one reason I can think of to be thankful Facebook is back on. <laughs> so thank oh, you. <laughs> thank you, Matthew, for saying that. And I love Dominic points out, speaking of Bem and speaking of Pandronians, he, he gives Pandronians this and he says, uh, and they even still have those little torso arms. Yeah. <laughs> It just floating head, and I thought they used that to great effect in this episode. I I love any reference to the animated series, and I feel like another animated series is going to be the one to do it. Obviously, but I still very much appreciate it. Yes, I, I just genuinely don't think that the animated series gets enough play. 
yeah. or respect. Yeah. <laughs> I, it is very much Star Trek. And anybody who doesn't believe us, go back and listen to Mission Log when we covered the animated series years ago. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. So uh, I am being told by Earl that we have a veritable Hollywood squares going on with the number of callers waiting tonight. So without further ado, let's jump over to our friend Chris who is calling us from his memories of touring the Picard winery the other day. Oh! Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, yes, I had to come in here and once again tease John about my wonderful experience. Uh, uh, yeah, so... How dare you, like, sir? How seconds, dare you? second digression, because I know we've got whole squad. Uh, yeah, I got to drive up to Solvang last weekend and see Sunstone Villa in Santa Inez, which is where they filmed Chateau Picard. So that's me on the balcony looking Ugh. out over the vineyard from his bedroom and then um, me and mom in front of the show Rhea uh, yes. outside and I thought I saw Rhea in the chat but yeah that was a really yeah. good time um, and yeah I teased on with all the photos I posted in discord because it was really fun so cool and not only did you tease me with those photos but also the food photos in Solvang, and I love that town. And yes, I, I promise one day I will tell the story about getting evacuated from the city on my birthday. That was fun and interesting. From Sandy and S? Uh, no, from uh, Solvang. Oh, from Solvang. Yeah, 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 that was wild. Uh, but it looked like you had such a good time, and man, what a beautiful location. Absolutely love it. You know, so, yeah. I don't ever remember anybody going to Temecula after... <laughs> So the original like Picard was his vineyard in the last episode of TNG was yeah. in Temecula, which is where I grew up. Oh, Whatever went down there. That. Okay. Well, Larry needs, Larry I feel like Solvang Yeah, but I, the, where it is now is is much better. I'm sure. I, I yeah. 100% it's prettier than Temecula. <laughs> Stunning. Said it. Well, I, we'll get the full report from you sometime, but we'll we'll move on to Laura Dex's talk tonight. Uh, Chris, tell us your thoughts about this week's episode. Yeah, um, you mentioned teamwork, and I think that's obviously a good point. But as a former AP Lit and AP Lang student, uh, I was drilled into specificity, and I would say not only teamwork, but I think the more specific message is be respectful of other people's experiences. It's not just that they have to work together that they have to understand what each other side goes through, that, they have, that the lower deckers have to understand the burden of command and that the upper deckers have to understand that being out of the loop kind of sucks sometimes and it you know, impinges on your mental health and your ability to do your job. So yeah, respect of your, of your fellow man's experience. I, Chris, it's like you've been reading my notes. I mean, I, I wrote down something very similar to that, that, that there was sort of this uh, double-sided message here that, um, you know, you have to see the job from both sides to, to actually, I use the same word, to understand what each position is going through. Um, you can't be effective as either a leader or follower without that. At the same time, you can't just assume that you know better than those with more or different experience that, that you somehow deserve or you know automatically know how to do that job just because you've seen what others do. Um, I, I thought that was such a great counterbalance instead of just having like, oh yeah, 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 one side is wrong, the other side gets it. It could have turned into too much, you know, undercover boss, which I thought was kind of a fun theme going on here anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, what else? Well, I think very important is that we learn that canonically Beckett Marinor is or was and possibly still is a horse girl. And yeah, I need right. that spinoff. I need that flashback. <laughs> like, come on. Nice. Come on, Kurtzman. Do it. Yes. Very good. I, I have to agree with you there. Um, yeah. Uh, Holly, any comment there before we uh, we move along? Well, I think it's it's great comments about, you know, the more serious notes that we're getting from star trek because mm -hmm. i you know i've and, and it's not just this episode and this is me just talking about lower decks in general because i haven't been here and i can now mm -hmm. um you know a lot of people are just like that's not what star trek is about and i'm like but there's still star trek messages within these seemingly ridiculous hilarious episodes i yeah. i i still think that they're doing a great job with with the true star trek messages Agreed. Very much agreed with that. Oh, oh, and by the way, not to derail us too much, but uh, Russell in the chat says, we need a USS Temecula now. 
Yeah. <laughs> Look, they, they called out the USS Bakersfield in this episode. So I, I think the okay, USS but, Temecula cannot be far behind. I, okay, but where I actually grew up is in Temecula Valley. It's a very small city now. It got city status in 2008. Mm-hmm. So for not, not for very long, called Wildemar. So I would like a USS Wildemar, and I'm going to text that to Mike McMahon as soon as we end the show. <laughs> that, that's actually a good – that's got, like, gravitas, though. That could be, it like, does. one of the, like – Wildemar? Okay, so I'm into the fun facts, and this is, has nothing to do with Star Trek, but I'm going to tell you a fun fact about the name <laughs> Wildemar comes from the three founders, William, Donald, and Margaret. Oh, look at that. Okay. <laughs> See, and if they're going that far on the show, you have to have like a Captain William, uh, uh, you know, first officer, Margaret. You got to work them uh, all two in. Two of them were married. Margaret was married to one of them, and I think the other was her brother. Even better, onboard drama. Perfect. But you can't, you can't, you can't mix them up because then she's like with her brother and that's weird. Yeah, you know, no, no, don't, don't mix that up for sure. <laughs> uh, Chris, because I'm so full of jealousy at seeing those pictures, I will let you go now so we can move on to our next <laughs> caller and greet all the other people waiting to chat tonight. All right. Good seeing you. Good seeing you, Holly. Bye. You too. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. So my first time meeting Valeria calling in tonight. I am so excited because I had such a good time listening to last week's show on my drive and I uh, can't wait to hear the comments tonight. Welcome to the show. Howdy. In the immortal words of Tomalak, this one is back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Welcome uh, this one. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, mm, I <laughs> love how all, you go all the way back to the 2009 movie, which Kurtzman was one of the writers on. And just the his love for the animated series shines through in every Star Trek that he has been involved in. Yeah, it, I mean, and, and see, fills me with so much joy. And I remember going, you know, back to Enterprise and just being excited. Those little nuggets of when we saw the Vulcan City, mm-hmm. uh-huh. like the Vulcan City from the animated series from yesteryear. Like, uh, my my little fan heart just you know beat a few extra beats because that that was like, mm-hmm. oh look, they're they're acknowledging the animated series as Star Trek as a thing as yes. a part of the story. Yeah, so cool. It's. Mm, some of my favorite Star Trek is yeah, right the animated series, um, and also some of my favorite Star Trek is Lower Decks. Um, but this one does bring a couple of concerns about what otherwise was, in my opinion, a perfect episode. Oh, okay, all right. I can't wait to hear this because I a little bit later in the show here when we get to it, or maybe now, maybe naturally, I will share with you the things that I did not appreciate about this episode. Mm-hmm. But I want to hear yours first. Okay, so ultimately, it really all comes down to Mariner's drills. Um, that's where the things that really kind of bugged me came in. Um, and so right this second, I think the bigger of the two, I keep flipping back and forth between which one bugs me more. Uh, <laughs> but so like, I, I do want to say like Star Trek has a long history of doing fluky things two episodes in a row and then never again. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm really hoping that this is a case of that. Okay. Uh, with both of these. Um, so one of them is both last week and this week felt like the episode went out of its way to undermine Mariner's competence. Mm. Okay. Because, mm. uh, so, so like, which has been one of her defining character traits from the beginning. Um, like, you, you look at the Gamato episode and, like, the entire rumor about her being a spy is based on how competent she is. Right. But then last week we have Boimler cutting her out of the loop on a plan that in any other episode would have been her plan. And then this week we have the horse thing. The part where, no, the horses specifically were not um, rigged. Yeah. And like that, that one line was only there to undercut Mariner's competence. That's the only thing that that joke accomplishes. And 
like I said, I really hope that this is just one of those things that they do two episodes in a row and then never again. And we can just forget it ever happened. <laughs> so otherwise it's just very inconsistent character writing. Yeah, well, so I, I wonder if that's something that, you know, because we're, we're not seeing the way the show is put together. And I, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's one of those things where, okay, you get through a whole season, you've written out the character, you've gotten feedback from, you know, viewers, and you've kind mm-hmm. of absorbed all of that. And then you go to write the second season, you're doing that in isolation, basically away from the audience who just uh, uh, watched the first season. And you go like, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Are we making Mariner too perfect? How do we create some little chinks in the armor here? But then it's like they go a little too far. And instead of it being just a a flaw, it becomes mm-hmm. actually a problem. Like, like you're saying here, yeah, like, oh, she's incompetent, but, not just that there's a flaw. Yeah, but but then it's like one of her other big defining character traits is more in that flaw department of she's not very emotionally self-aware and so like typically we've been having that balance but here we have both her usual lack of emotional self-awareness and then we're also undermining her competence yes yeah i i see what you mean that's um she is her own worst enemy. She is the one yes. who would undermine herself rather than just not being able to do the job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is a good point. And I wonder, I, you may be onto something there because it, it might have been an attempt at a little bit of, uh, I, I don't want to say course correction, but an attempt to do something mm-hmm. different with her. It happens two episodes in a row. And then will we get that, in the next two episodes or will it just be we all see you seeing very specifically mm-hmm. oh no 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 that that's not her <laughs> let's yeah let's, let's go back and actually fix that yeah yeah well, i do think um, that there's something to be said about having characters that aren't perfect and that aren't good at everything i mean no one's good oh, yeah. at everything in real life and i i mean i see your point but i didn't when when her mother made the comment about you know this is you know you've had two years of training on horses and this is what what where you got to is just like maybe she just mm-hmm. wasn't good with naturally good with horses like i <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that i attempted and i was just not naturally good at and just sure move on and find something else that i'm good at mm-hmm. uh but yeah then then the other thing was i'm worried about lower decks kind of falling into the deadpool problem that's fair uh which is Deadpool is canonically pansexual, but he has never had a canonical male love interest. And it only comes up as part of a joke. Hmm. And so last week we have um, the guard, like both a male and a female guard as part of the Billups doesn't want to uh, lose his virginity joke. Mm -hmm. And then this week we have... um, some of that included in the hedonistic rollicking. Um, And it's just like, are you really comfortable sending the mess, like only presenting queerness in a context of horny debauchery? Yeah. And jokes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, unfortunately that sort of falls par for the course in terms of Star Trek and, and showing that kind of thing, because I mean, mm-hmm. if you recall rejoined, like it was the first lesbian kiss, but like, not really, they got around it because those characters mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. one point were male and female and were married. So, I mean, I don't disagree with you that there's, they don't, everything is either a joke or there's some kind of workaround or they're not just mm-hmm. outward saying this character is queer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and you know, it, it sort of has always been a Star Trek uh, problem or a question, uh, except when it isn't, mm-hmm. which is how and when do you show the sexuality of the characters when what we're mostly seeing is these characters doing their jobs? So mm-hmm. you kind of have the excuse to have the, I'm sorry, hedonistic rollicking, which, by the way, is going to look great on a T-shirt. It's fantastic um, phrase. I thought yeah, you, I saw him, I saw, I saw you think about it, too, and you're like, 
Yes, that yeah, was, that, 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 those the, were the correct that was the words. Correct combination of words. Um, but yeah, but we don't usually see it until there's some extreme circumstance. So mm-hmm. how then, particularly in a show that's a little 22 minute animated comedy, can we actually treat that with a little seriousness if and when it merits it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, like I I hear that, but also we have had like often shoehorned moments of just like uh various romantic comedy tropes being hit, dropped on a male character and a female character in from second contact all the way up to two or three episodes into season two yeah yeah and and, and so that's where the whole it's a show about friendship not a show about relationships kind of falls flat for me because if we have time to throw it into episode throw it into episodes in a way that looks straight mm-hmm. in the first 12 to 13 episodes yeah but there's no room for uh for queerness that isn't like just portraying queerness as being all about sex and like yeah i i I think that is an excellent point and and we've only got a couple of episodes here to see if that's something that could or would get addressed or by you saying it does it go out into the ether and then as somebody is writing season three do they go oh you know what we could actually course correct there as well so hopefully yes yes I think that is a perfect place. Hey, I'm I'm glad to meet you and glad that your second call into your sh- to our show is with uh, me and Holly. Uh, so I'll get the pleasure of meeting you. And then we're going to jump over here and say hi to our next caller before we go to a break. And uh, please call back again with these excellent insights. Absolutely. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Cheers. All right. Hey, uh, I, I do want to squeeze in Paul here real quick before we go to a very quick ad. And uh, Paul is, of course, there with Tendi from the Lower Decks. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hello, hello. Hello, Holly. Hey. Good to see you. Hi. Nice to see you, too. Great. I, I'm just amazed at how these uh, episodes tend to um, go across a whole bunch of a huge spectrum of interest. I, I saw this whole thing as a Boimler sort of Let's let's show how good Boimler really is, right? By putting in him in, in that situation where the only way, you know, he was so dedicated to it that he just kept at it. And it, it brought to me to like, whoever's in that writing room has been in corporate America, because there's two issues here that came together in my eyes and not related to Valeria's observations, which were very interesting as just like last week. But this week for me, it was all about, Boimler's persistence, patience, and perseverance, which is hasn't been shown in these so far, but he is going to be really good at whatever he ends up doing. And I doubt if it will be a command because he's the kind of person that you need to be there to really give you that effort. And I'm really, secondary- I'm really pl- can I can I just interject on that thought? I'm very pleased that you saw all of those qualities in in Boimler as good. And positive because as somebody who has an obsessive disorder, I was watching it just thinking, oh, that's a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, no. because I have it too, and I get obsessive and I fixate on things and I want the best score or whatever. In this case, it would have been I want the best score. But ah, uh, you see it as perseverance. I, from my perspective, was like, oh, he's he's obsessive. Well, so- that's my thought on that <laughs> success to move the needle forward. If he's given the right opportunity to be, you know, to drive a paradigm or move a paradigm, that's the guy you want. Someone who has a vision who will get there and will do anything to get to it. And what they've also presented so brilliantly is the person who's going to help the group. And with their, you know, trials and, you know, they bring in all these tests, which are meaningless, let alone fixed. And as a person in corporate America who went through this for decades <laughs> to try and get better, and then you have to unwind all this stuff sometimes. Very, 
So many times when a company changes direction, they have to change direction back. And it's this course correction constantly by these outside experts. It was just a brilliant episode. Um, Somebody my age who's been through corporate America for almost four decades really, really took a lot out of this episode and understand that these writers on on top of it. And um, I'm going to leave it there. You got a brilliant array of callers tonight. Holly, awesome to see you as always, John. Cheers, brother. You're, you're the Pleasure. best. We'll see you soon, Paul. See you guys. Um, yeah, just to comment a little bit on that, uh, it, uh, to me, Boimler is expressing first officer uh, confidence, first officer action. I mean, he, he's not only thinking through the problems, he's getting better and better, and he is taking action in that simulation. He's great at it. Now, it runs away with him. <laughs> that's where the obsessive comes in. Exactly. And that's not he, to say that like yeah. I, me having an obsessive personality, like I've done great things with it, but sometimes it can run away with me. And yes. I feel like at some point it ran away with him. Well, and we have to wonder if this is influence of serving under a formerly great first officer um, on the Titan. You know, he saw action. He he learned some different skills, and now he's putting those to use, perhaps. Um, and he he's well read. He said that he's read everything about the Borg, so that allowed him some insight there. It would be interested. Anyway. I'd be interested to see, and I'm sure that we're going to see this at some point. How other Boimler is doing. Yes. Oh, because there's to know. another Boimler out there. We have to know, please. Yes. <laughs> um, hey, I'm not going to spend too much time here to remind everybody to go over to Patreon.com/slash Mission Log. Join us there. Uh, you can get swag. You can get uh, uh, early access to Mission Log episodes in their uncut form, and most importantly, you get a community. Uh, once you're there, you get to log into our Discord, and it is seriously look with Facebook falling apart. Um, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it is a great great place to hang out with people who want to have uh, wonderful in-depth and positive conversations about Trek, but also all manner of other topics. And that is exclusive to our Patreon members there. Patreon.com slash mission log. That's enough on that because we have so many great callers standing by. Let's kick it over to Alan, who is also calling us from Lower Decks. How are you doing tonight, Alan? Hey. Hey, what's happening? Oh yeah, everything's everything's going on down in the lower decks. Hi John, hi Holly, it's great hey, to see you hey. guys tonight. And just to echo your, I I was just uh, I was talking with Earl and everybody else in the green room how I always seem to come on after after the the ad break and sometimes <laughs> I do a little extra pitch. So yes, the Discord is good. The Discord oh, thanks, is for me. man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. This past Thursday on After Dark was a humdinger. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> yeah, I, that's something I didn't mention is that After Dark, <laughs> that is our weekly discussion of that week's mission log. And what, sometimes it's just fun, off topic, hangout, social hour. And this week it was not. <laughs> and it was great. But, Sometimes we discuss the episode. Yes, and, and it was great. Uh, so yeah. what's on your mind tonight about Lower Decks? Oh, well, I just, um, uh, another another fine, fabulous episode. Um, I guess I, I probably uh, skew a little bit more uh, towards your interpretation, Holly, of the, of the Boimler situation, because I feel like I have been that guy when I'm playing a, you know, a video game or something, I know I've Hit me again. It. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've spent hours trying to get like the last unique jump on a Grand Theft Auto game or something like that. Some stupid little thing that's keeping me from my 100% completion on the game. Yeah, it's a fixation. Uh, it's yes. a fixation. You get tunnel vision. Like I totally mm-hmm. understand. But but again, that's not to say that he's not going to use it to do great things. I mean, yeah. I got obsessed with Star Trek and now sometimes I get paid to talk about it. So that's there cool. <laughs> <He's saved> <laughs> <all>. <laughs> that works. Yeah. But yeah, I um and, and I don't know, I I, I liked a, a great deal about this. There were a couple of things about it that, that sort of, I don't know. I don't know. There wasn't really anything wrong with the episode itself, but a couple of things sort of stuck out at me that uh, this kind of makes the, uh, the mid season uh, tease really kind of a tease because it pretty much 
all all the weird crazy stuff happened in this episode yeah. they're all like that right. much right but you know i'm i'm happy to have it and also i kind of want to commend them for for taking the concept of the upper decks and the lower decks switching assignments and making it a subcondition of this week's uh, main storyline and not a story in and of itself. Because I think that's sort of like a typical sitcom-y kind of thing that they could have done. And an episode that I probably would have really enjoyed had it just been that episode, but yet making it into uh, just part of this one was kind of interesting, an interesting way to go about it. That that's a good point because that could yeah. have been an easy way out. And when you look at it and you go, okay, there's only 22 minutes of of original time in an episode. Once you take away teasers and uh, yeah. opening credits, etc., then you could have you could land on one concept. Like, what if they flip positions? And you could mm-hmm. just do that as an A plot, do something else as a B plot, and then you're done. But to have all of this have multiple layers of exploration, multiple layers of payoff. They actually, uh, they actually did a good job with that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and it, we, since we do have, uh, gosh, three or four more people standing by, any sure. other uh, parting shots here? Uh, last well, comments? Uh, yeah, I, I like you guys too. I enjoyed uh, Shari as a as a bad guy. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting name choice, and I uh, was racking my brain to see if there was like some sort of. Uh, meaning to it. And I even uh, did a, a quick anagram search. And the, the fun one that I came up with was Menhir's Yay. What? And looking up a Menhir, according to my Google definition, is a tall, upright stone of a kind erected in prehistoric times in Western Europe. So Menhir's Yay is a shout out to Stonehenge. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, Mike McMahon, if you didn't know that already, now you know. <laughs> now he's just so. going to take credit for it, even if it wasn't. Yeah, that's true. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely my, done. That is my gift to you. Thank you. Well done, Alan. Well done. Thank you for that and the weekly memes. Greatly appreciated. Right. Uh, excellent. Thanks for calling in tonight. And uh, hey, let's just move right along and say hello to Cherie, also from the USS Cerritos. Welcome to the show tonight, Cherie. How's it going? Hey. Good. Hey. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm glad uh, other people have brought up the... Um, like uh, Boimler redoing the the drill thing, I had a really interesting thought on that too. That I'm pretty sure hasn't been brought up. Sometimes in the other room, it's hard to <laughs> hear what's going on. Sure. Um, but um, the um, uh, drill instructor said that she had read everything about Starfleet, and that's how they were able to freak her out because they're like, "Oh yeah, you've only you only understand it in theory. You've never actually done it." Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Boimler did so well. That's exactly how Boimler operates. He's read everything. He says um, that too. I've read everything about the board. Yeah, Bring it on. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. That's why, because her drill is designed based exactly on what you've read. And that's why Boimler was able to get 100% and nobody else was. And that's actually why Mariner failed, because I know um, it was bothering Valeria. So I wanted to drop in. I think it wasn't trying to say that, oh, Mariner's not actually that great after all. What it's just saying is, um, it showed her trying to do her own thing where she would have probably done well, but it wouldn't let her it, like stop her. She'd be like, okay, can't think creatively. Okay. Um, so she can't do that. Boimler is perfect at that. He's designed for that because he's read everything. Um, so he knows exactly what you need to do, but Mariner only works if she can improvise, which she wasn't allowed to do. So that's why she failed all the drills and that's why Boimler did so well. Um, so that's that's my take on that whole situation, and I love that he's a video game completionist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love that you figured that out. I that that's a great way to look at it. And um, yeah, so if you took Boimler and threw him into a real world Borg situation, he would probably be the first to get assimilated. Uh, right, whereas he also Ma- freak out because we've seen yeah. him like scream for his life, and I don't think that has really changed. The only reason he didn't freak out is because he knew it was a drill. Right. So he was fine. Um, yeah. 
It's just a game. I can figure it out. Whereas Mariner has got the upper hand when there is some chaos and uh, mm-hmm. some unknown factor to us. I, that is, uh, of course, of course, that's a great way of looking at it. I'm impressed. I'm always impressed with your call, Cherie. <laughs> well, thank with, you. As I am with all of our callers. Uh, <laughs> I, that is very cool. Thank you for that. Holly, any uh, comment? Any... Yeah. No, let her keep talking. Yeah, She's doing a great keep job. Keep going, Cherie. Uh, and um, I was I was just also going to throw in that I love the scene with the black hole that's actually from the opening credits that they did when they were <laughs> trying to get sucked into the black hole and it's actually from the credits. And I was like, yay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I noticed. I noticed that. You know what else I noticed? Like, aside from the black hole, is what <laughs> I noticed that immediately. I was like, "Oh, that's from the opening credits." But the um, how many crystalline entities are out there? <laughs> so many. Like a- at least four that we mentioned like, that, that were close enough. So yeah. how do we know that the one that they destroyed in TNG was the one that actually like was the one attacking that she wanted revenge on. Sometimes like, TNG doesn't check these things. I still I, I was rewatching like, TNG recently and there's an episode where the 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 bugs like the the invisible bugs that only data can see oh yeah um, oh, are yeah. like making infecting them and like, later on they're like oh yeah we can just kill them. I was like wait are, are they sentient? Did you check? Yeah. Like, what, you, no, no, you just kill them. I was like, ew. No, what, if, what if they destroyed a crystalline entity that wasn't the one that destroyed which, I mean, that killed her son? It's like the bugs. It's like, <laughs> But I mean, entity. to be fair, you know, that's the, the fact that there's more than one crystalline entity now is would be considered a retcon, but I just like, that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, how many others are there? And did they ruin the, did they destroy the wrong one? I don't know. I wouldn't put it past. <laughs> well, and, you know, uh, Chris in the chat does point out, apparently there are more crystalline entities because two are getting frisky. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how, so, that's how there are more. Maybe there weren't. And then maybe one got frisky with itself. And maybe that's that, how that works. Could be. Could that's be. Their, they, that's did, their have origin. Yeah. have right. we witnessed evolution somehow? And now <laughs> they're able to procreate? Maybe. Because let's do a whole episode on that. <laughs> speaking of tng i did want to throw in there so um since i i had rewatched tng recently uh and i i rewatched um the lower decks episode actually to be honest i'm not sure i ever saw it in the first place um because i saw it like first run when i was a little kid so sometimes i miss episodes um and um i was wondering so we know we all know how big the actual enterprise is and in that episode the the lower deck people talk about having to share quarters Hmm. Uh, my theory on why they have to do this is because TNG is basically keeping a palace free for these like visiting like aliens that they they're like no no we can't possibly give you the nice rooms like we might have visitors we yeah, might have for... to take on a whole planet at some yeah, point yeah it's Who for knows? dignitaries they <laughs> exactly. did it they do it we for the dignitaries it yeah. but it's like because it's so huge so it's like just justifying like all of those empty rooms most of the time just, but 100% like, you know what else would be argued you know what not just like oh we might have dignitaries we might have visitors we might have to rescue an entire planet but I also think that they would argue that it's character building yeah, let me I tell mean, you what having that. having like roommates that you don't get along with super character building <laughs> okay look yeah. look two things two things about that i i imagine both of you have seen that graphic that was going around for a time that was the enterprise d and then scaled about a uh, thousand eleven hundred crew members yeah what what actual amount of space they would take up in a ship that big and it was literally like one panel on top of the saucer section like it, you know i mean think about it, we have cruise ships now the, the, you know five six thousand people in it um so here you have this massive starship with you know very low population density I will also say this, this episode, they solved their own problem, which is something we brought up on Mission Log years ago, the holodeck or the hollow suite or now the tiny holopod. Literally every single crew cabin can be a holopod. And when you yeah. go home from work, you can go home from work. You could go to a suburban three bedroom split level ranch home. You could go to whatever you want because it's just a hologram available to you to make it whatever you want it to be. So... Yeah, they don't all have to live like that. Not everybody has to sleep in a hallway. <laughs> so, <laughs> just saying. Sheree, sleep thank in you. the hallway. Yeah, there you go. Sheree, thank you so much for calling in tonight. Really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you soon, okay? Yeah. And uh, LLNP. Yeah. 
Let's jump over and say hi to John Arminio, who's been waiting patiently. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Hey, I you know I love it when we have a uh, a full house, and uh, yeah, it makes our job certainly easier because we just get to kick back and hear what you have to say. So, yeah. share with us what's on your mind this week. Uh, um, I really love the the flipping of the you see Timmy moment with this episode about how like oh you were really just showing us that we could all work together in <laughs> in this episode and it was like no i was really trying to screw you. Hey, even nope. though even though she was like no i was trying to screw you like but that yeah. still is the star trek yeah, message yeah, yeah yes exactly and I, I love how that is not only a character an in-universe character building moment for the crew but also a character building moment for the audience because it shows, you know, as dysfunctional as this crew is, at least compared to the ones we see on like a galaxy quest starship, they really did like, they were able to come together and solve these problems. Uh, and, you know, even through naked time. And I, I, I just found that uh, very endearing and entertaining to watch. It, it's one of these things that where it, it, it even says something about Lower Decks itself as a piece of Star Trek. Like, this is the comedy show. This is the over-the-top comedy cartoon show, right? But they still manage every week to fit in character growth and a story arc and Star Trek morals, meanings, messages. They still get it in there. And even on the micro level, a single episode like this, where they say, like, no, we're screwing with you. No, we're doing the wrong thing on purpose. But we still get a moral meaning message yeah. out of it. Like, those characters, on that basis, they still learn something, even though it's total chaos. Even though it's all these, like, weird simulations, weird, you know, quick hit uh, best of Star Trek. Um, and, and that is actually where I'm going to level my criticism here. And I, I wonder how both of you will feel about this. So, um I always say, you know, as good a time as I'm having with Lower Decks and as much as I enjoy this show, and I do a lot, and let me tell you, coming from Yumicon, where there are a lot of people who are not very steeped in Star Trek lore, they knew about Lower Decks. They knew that it was a thing happening, and there were a lot of people who said, oh, I, I, I didn't get through Discovery, I, I, I never saw any of Picard, but I know about Lower Decks, and that looks great. So it, it's out there, you know, it is out there in the world. My criticism slash complaint, and I hate to sound like a broken record because I say it a lot, it's that I don't like necessarily comedy that gives me a list, that tells me the joke, then shows me the joke, then tells me that they just told the joke. I've seen so, that complaint, too, that there's a lot of relying on that and references yeah, and Easter eggs. I, well, and I think Easter eggs are great. I think references are great. Um, I was more thrilled with the idea that if you look at a freeze frame and you see the list of uh, simulations here, one is this whale rescue. So I don't need to see the whale rescue, but I know <laughs> as a fan, like I know what that is. I paused right? it when that mm -hmm. first popped up that list and I was like, literally, they're just lists of episodes, chain of command, like right? they're just literal episode titles. Triple, triple trouble, you know. Or something very close like that very close. one. Yeah, yeah. But I, the more it went on and the more I thought, okay, you're going to show it to me in name, then they're going to do it, and then you're going to talk about it. You know, I, I was sort of more of a mind, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, so if you're a Star Trek fan, you already know the reference. Like, you already get it, and you're already going to laugh if the joke is effective. If you're not a Star Trek fan, it doesn't help you to get it by telling you the name of it and then showing it to you and then having a comment on it because you already don't know the reference anyway. If you're not a Star Trek fan and you don't already get the reference, you're then just relying on the absurdity of the situation. You know? Right, and I don't disagree with you on that because when when Lower Decks first started, I you know I remember having conversations about it, and you know people were like, "Well, I will I understand it if I've not watched Star Trek," and I was like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, you're going to miss some Easter eggs and you're going to miss some references, but you're still going to know what's going on." Yeah, and yeah. you know, to your comment, that's that's sort of the same thing. Like if if they miss that list, then it doesn't matter. So why have the list at all? 
So the one that really bothered me was stealing the Enterprise from space dock to go to the Genesis planet to and save Spock. And rescue Spock, yes. Right. Yeah. So, so they literally yeah. spelled it out like that, and then they did it. it you reenacted the scene, and then they failed. Right. Yeah. So to me, it was like, OK, first of all, why, why would that ever be a simulation in Starfleet at all? Anyway, you don't want to teach people in Starfleet how to steal a vessel from a space dock. I'm just assuming that that's like when you go get your driver's license, they don't teach you how to hotwire a car, at least not in my driver's head, you know. So there's kind of, uh, kind of a weird premise to begin with. But then to say, no, specifically to go to this place to do this thing. Well, if I'm a Star Trek fan and I know the one reason somebody did steal a Starfleet ship out of space dock, I might put two and two together. If I'm not, does it really matter to me that I'm not putting all those pieces together? So things like that, that's what drove me crazy about the episode. Not that they were happening, because cool, you can fit as many references in here as you want. The thing that bothered me was... uh, uh telling rather than showing or telling on top of showing and assuming that explaining the joke makes the joke better. But that's me with my comedy writer's hat on. And I do have a writer hat, which I'll break out someday on this very show. Um, yeah, John, am I, yeah, uh, um, am I sounding a familiar refrain here? Or? Yeah, I, I actually totally agree because I did think the, um, the stealing the ship from space dock and go to the Genesis planet was sort of a bridge too far with, with that style of humor. And I did like, I, I liked the list when I first saw it, but then when I saw that we were actually going to do all of those things, it did feel a bit excessive. And um, I was recommending the show to my brother who because he one of his favorite comedians is actually a writer on the show and then he asked me do i need to know and do i need to have an encyclopedic knowledge of star trek to enjoy it and I'm, people ask me that too there you go yeah <laughs> and i had to ha- have like a lukewarm response because he yeah. likes star trek but i've seen all the Star Trek. So it's it's like a, a different level of fandom. I think. But do you think that he's going to not understand what's going on? No, he's, That's yeah, exactly. he's definitely going to understand what's going on. But it's just some references and Easter eggs are going to go over his head. And that's yeah, what yeah. I told people. Yeah, too. So, yeah, people so that, I, like you don't need to know, but you are yes, going to miss some yeah. stuff. So I did give him a full throated recommendation for Lower Decks and said that he definitely should watch it. And just that he would miss some some Easter eggs. So, but so, I, but- I do think that that is a problem Star Trek has going forward. Like with Strange New World, as much as I'm looking forward to it, there is going to be a level of disconnect between new fans and old fans who don't know who Christopher Pike is or don't have a familiarity with him, especially if they don't, if if they haven't seen his arc and discovery. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is going to be the real trick with that show is yeah. how do you tell, how, how do you take, maybe even storylines or or Star Trek premises, morals, meanings, messages from 55 years ago. If you're doing this episodic, you know, planet of the week kind of thing, tell those same types of messages, but modernize them. So you're satisfying the crowd who is brand new to it and want to see what this Star Trek thing is all about, but also the crowd who goes, ooh, that's familiar Star Trek to me. Just don't make it exactly the same. And that's going to be a really interesting tightrope for them to walk. Um, and, and since we're you know dealing with the comedy version of that right now, it's like, okay, how many references, how many throwbacks do we get to satisfy an audience who already get it, who already get Star Trek, slip in those morals, meanings, messages, but also keep it fresh for the ones who are completely new to it. I, I kind of wish that they had been a little more subtle with the setup in this yeah. instead of saying it's naked time you're going into the naked time simulation <laughs> just say look this is a uh, you know a serious phenomenon a starship can face because they have faced it before a dangerous virus has broken out among the crew it's affecting them psychologically you have to get in and say that and what do you walk into the yeah. orgy of the century taking place all over the ship I, 
I I would have been there for that joke. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I was there for the joke already. Yes. I thought it was setting great. it up as a yeah. deadly virus because we've seen a hundred deadly viruses before, and then walking into yeah. and they get them. Yeah, I think that would have been the peak. Yeah, uh, version of that joke. That well, I feel like but- all what's lower decks also sort of. Uh, suffers from I don't know if suffer is the right w- word is that it's I mean 22 minutes it's essentially a half hour show so like uh, when the show first started a lot of people um, I saw complaining about like how quick the dialogue is and how quickly everything is going on and sure. I'm like well it's not an hour and they have to like shove everything into so I feel like that's something that they suffer from too is that instead of sort of playing out these jokes so that you're like, oh, I understand. They have to just tell you what it is and move on because they only have 22 minutes to tell the story. And I think that's the the pace of modern animation anyway. That it, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Hey, uh, John, thank you so much. I, I do. I know that we're up against the clock here, but we got one more caller I want to uh, squeeze in here tonight. So, John, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you. you again soon on the show. Cheers. And uh, rounding out things tonight, it's our our friend, our frequent contributor, podcast host himself, Captain Mike. Welcome back to the show. How's it going tonight? Going great, John. Welcome back from Yumacon. How are you? Oh man, it it was it was Yumacon. All right, (laughs) yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Good deal, Holly. How are you tonight? Good. How are you? Good. Um, Just just real quick, I wanted to jump in and just. You know, my wheels have been turning the whole time. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. We don't have a whole lot of Beckett Mariner backstory as far as mm. Starfleet before the Cerritos. She was on Deep Space Nine. She did some other things. Clearly, she's defensive. Something happened. Maybe she was trying to move up for a while. I don't know. But when we meet her, she's got this wall built around her that nobody can get through. And you got Bradward, right? And Bradward is kind of young and he's, he's vulnerable and he's working on all the things to make him. Like you said, John, like that, like that good first officer or a good captain someday. And we see that as a result of all his study and his hard work, he gets into that simulator and he's like, Borg, I got this, you know, and he, <laughs> and he kind of goes after it like that because mm-hmm. this is his time to shine. He's been working for this. Um, and what we've seen the last couple episodes with, with uh, Beckett, I think in my mind, isn't an attempt to, to drop her down or, or make her seem incompetent, but it's, it's an attempt, I think by the writers to, to, to make her maybe learn or demonstrate vulnerability because mm-hmm. that, that vulnerability and, and knowing that you have still opportunities to get better, that you don't know everything, that if you want to get from where you are to someplace else, there are skills that you have to develop. There are things that you need to learn. And I think that's kind of the arc we're seeing with her. Is there's that, also things again, and I mentioned this earlier, is that like there's also things that you're just not going to be good at and you have to accept that. And perhaps totally. that's something that you learn to delegate to someone else as a commander. Mm-hmm. Big time. And that's where that vulnerability comes in is that you, you don't have to pretend or act or be great at everything. You've got to recognize your weaknesses so that you can um, fill in those voids, fill in those blanks with people around you that you trust and that trust you. I really do have to wonder, as we look at Lower Decks, you know, it premiered last year, but obviously it was in development for a long time before that. Um, What are the changes in characters that happened organically over time since you, you are writing a whole season to begin with? And you can kind of sketch them out on paper and say, okay, these are the relationships and how those break down. And we have Beckett Mariner who is you know a maverick uh but her fatal flaw is that she will undermine herself for all of these reasons and that looks good on paper and you can hash out x number of episodes with that but then do you get to a point and you go well either that's not enough or it's too much or we need to add a little more facet to where she excels versus where she doesn't. And that could be very true for all the other characters on board too. And maybe why we're seeing a little something different out of Bradward this week, and maybe we'll see more down the road. And I think the facet that we saw of this when she said, wow, you know, being in Mm -hmm. command is actually hard. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder than she thought. I'd never Mm -hmm. heard anything like that before from her. Um, And that's that one thing that I think will then allow you to understand that I don't have all the answers. Um, I may never get all the answers, but I can continue to work to get better every day. And uh, you don't have to be perfect, but you know, maybe just continuing to evolve and knowing that you have room to grow is sort of the first part of 
you know, being able to, to, to change and grow and evolve and develop. And I think we're going to see a great story arc out of, out of um, Mariner because so many folks, when they're young, they think they have all the answers. They think they know everything. It's not until you realize you don't have all the answers that you start to ask the right questions. And I think that's where she is right now. And I think it's pretty exciting. I, that's very well. That sounds like a moral meaning message to me. And that oh, sounds I have like no a idea what you're talking about. It <laughs> sounds like a great place to end the discussion tonight. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. And uh, to everybody who allowed us to go a little bit over tonight, thank you. But look, that, that, we didn't even get to the food talk tonight. And that's my jam. So you know the way I had good callers tonight if I didn't get to my long list of food. We'll do it some other time. And a pesto! <laughs> it's the line of the night. There it is. I don't even like pesto. I'm like George Costanza. Why do I order pesto? I always think I'm going to like it, and I don't. But this made you excited about it. That's what was so Well, that's because Tendi's yeah. adorable. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, with that said, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by the inculpable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If if you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.